Hello, hello, hello. I am your Dory Greenspan, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Goosebumps. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most, this Munoz. And boy, am I congested. I sound like B. Arthur on a good day these days. She has been burning her Karen Huger three-wick candle at all ends. And I guess it just caught up to me. Jesus, remember getting just like normal sick? pre-pandemic. Now everything is just like death and despair. Don't worry y'all out there. Do not be concerned. I've already had three tests done. She is a negative. She just has some sort of, you know, this ever-changing global warming New York weather, you know, cold of it all. But we are powering through today because she is a what? A consummate professional. Anywho, oh my god, folks, what have I been saying for the past, like, three, four months? Christmas? Christmas is here. The holidays are here, folks. And I don't know if you're ready, but we are going to blink. And, you know, the Ariana Grande, Santa Tell Me, the Mariah Carey, you know, All I Want for Christmas is going to be on repeat if it's not already in your house. Other than that, I'm really excited for today's guest. So without further ado, let's get to the getting on. And please help me welcome Jesse Shevchik. Say hi. Hello. I think your voice sounds good, by the way. Oh, thanks. I I like to live my Delilah dreams on here. Do you know Delilah? I like the, it's a little rasp. It's nice. Yeah. it, It gives you full, like, you know... $3.99 Three ninety nine a minute, like sex phone, real <laughs> Yeah, I'm into it. As I'm try- as I'm like desperately trying not to cough my brains out here. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. No, I am so excited and so honored that you have given me your time on this day to be on my big gay podcast to become part of my big gay food village. It is such an honor to have you here. I am so excited. But before we get anywhere, Jesse, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you Happy National Fried Pie Day! Hey, that's good. That's a good one, actually. That's kind of cool. Fried pie. Now, 
Like a hand pie? Like an empanada? Yeah. Listen, I'm uh, the Puerto Rican of it all, like the Latino, the Latinx of it all. Like, that's where my mind went, like savory fried pies, like hand pies. I was thinking like a like an Aaron McDowell kind of little, like, cute little hand pie type thing. Um, yes, yes, yes. Are we a pie queen? Do we, do we love pie? I think yes. I think... You I always, think we are still undecided hmm. this, I mean, late, this late in life. It's like... I feel like they're a bit um, intimidating and a lot of work, but I think they're fun. They're like, like kind of like an arts and craft project, kind of. They can be. They certainly, yeah. they certainly can be an arts and crafts project. I think pre-pandemic Lovato, there was a whole like Instagram trend of people doing the most with their yes. pie tops. Yes. Do you remember that? Like uh, the food stylist of it all. I'm sure you remember that. And it the, was, they were always photographed unbaked. <laughs> Yes, always, yes. because uh, post-bake, they didn't look as pretty, you know? I, I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. Yeah, like, it was like florals and leaves and... Colors, yeah. Colors and intricate lattice work. You know what that is to me? That's like those um, royal icing cookies that mm. are stunning, That, but I do not have the patience for. Mm. I you totally know? agree, yeah. Like, you take hours, hours... To like decorate like twelve cookies, I'm and they like, like don't even taste good sometimes. Right? Yeah. Right? All right. Are we are we cherry? Are we apple? Are we hmm. sweet potato? I mean, Thanksgiving just passed us. I feel like my favorite one is peach. Peach. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Uh, I am a fan of the peach in more ways than one. Peach. Yeah, it is the best one. I will say. I like. Um, hmm. You don't often see peach in pie. You see like a cobbler. I agree, yeah. Right? It's really good with, like, a lot of vanilla in it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. Take us, on a, take us on a fuzzy peach journey, Jesse. I am here for it. Absol- what about you? What about your pie? Uh, what about my pie? <laughs> What's your favorite? My favorite pie, I love a berry pie, like a blueberry, mm. a mixed berry, a cherry pie. You know, like a whole... Sh- who was that? Aerosmith? She's my cherry pie. Mm, I'm coming like a, out. I'm coming out reference. real bro right now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a deep cut reference, right? Um, was that was that Aerosmith? I don't even know. I this don't even know either. No, it's okay. It's. Uh, I think it's we get not a pa- for us. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my god! You can't make me laugh because all I'm going to do is cough up a storm, <laughs> and that's going to be really hard on this podcast because all we do is laugh. Oh my god! Pies, fried pies, though. You know what? It is also very Latino to make, like, a savory fried, I mean, a sweet fried empanada, mm. right? I'm on, I'm on all, like, the sinus medication, so I'm a little loopy here. Um, you know, like a guava and cheese empanada? Ooh, yeah. Delicious, nice. yeah. right? Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, like, with a little cinnamon sugar. You know, I'm, I'm curious about the fried pie of it all and why December. You know what? Because usually, like, first week of December is, like, cookie week. Yeah, I feel like when I think of fried pies, I think of maybe like summer, kind of. Yeah, you know, but it's too hot to turn on the fryer. Anyways, this could be the whole podcast episode with you. But um, and we're going to get into the cookies of it all, too. Hello, madam. But um, you know what? Whatever you celebrate out there, whether it's a fried pie, a peach pie, a warm pie or a pie that you stick your fingers in. I don't you know, I made a reference. Uh, (laughs) I, I'm a man of a certain age, and that whole 
An American pie. That's where I was going. That's the joke. We celebrate you on this day. I'm just going to move on here. Um, and did you know, moving right along into this day in gay history, did you know, Jesse, that 1998 officials in Miami, Florida, vote 7-6 to six to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation in employment and housing? That's great. Yeah, you know what? Um, this was a very interesting day in gay history, all because throughout the uh, the years, all everything that's happened on December first related to the government passing some like anti discrimination law. Hmm. You know, I wonder why it's always like around that time. I don't. Uh, I found it very interesting. Some were heavier than others. And, you know, uh, I'm feeling heavy-chested today with the congestion, so I tried to keep it light, if you mm. will. You know mm. what I mean? And, once again, 1998 wasn't that long ago, y'all. It really wasn't, yeah. I feel you like know? We, could, uh, we could look back and learn some things, some people. Yeah, and I should have looked up the statistics, because in your mouth, listeners, for those of you that don't know, it is still a thing in many states here in America that you can be discriminated against, uh at your place of employment and housing based on your sexual orientation, right? Mm -hmm. That is a thing that is alive and well amongst the other many problems of this country. But I want to get to the getting on and talk and celebrate you, Jesse. In your mouth, listeners, if you didn't know, and you probably already do, Jesse Shevchik is a food stylist and cookbook author based in New York. His work has been featured in Food Network, Food 52, The Washington Post, The Kitchen, BuzzFeed, Tasty, Bake from Scratch, Apartment Therapy, and several other publications. Just to drop a few names. Yes, I told you there, we have gay liberties on the pod constantly. He has spoken at several events, including one's hosted by the James Beard Foundation and Random House Books, and was named a Forbes 30 Under 30 of Food and Drink, as well as a semifinalist for the Art of Plating's 2021 Rising Talent List. He is the author of Tasty Pride, a collection of 75 recipes and stories from the queer food community that raised $50,000 for GLAAD, as well as his latest book, congratulations, Jesse, named Cookies, the new classics. Welcome and thank you for being here once again. I mean, so much, so much done, right? And I, and I mean, that thirty under thirty happened during the pandemic, if I'm mm. not mistaken, right? Because it did, like the, like the middle of it. It was like last December, I think it came out. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So have you? Have we crossed over into our thirties already? We did, like a few weeks ago. Yes, well, welcome, welcome. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little bit more seasoned, right? Hence the salt and pepper of it all. But I mean, what an accomplishment! And what, what does it feel like hearing that back and seeing how much and hearing how much you've accomplished in such a short amount of time? Hmm. Uh, weird question. I guess that's kind of like uh, the treadmill effect. You know, you're always like, uh, you like accomplish something, and then it's like, okay. Like, what's next kind of thing. But Forbes 30 was especially, I think, nice because it was, like, an unusual thing for their list to recognize. It's a lot of, like, uh, tech bros, I feel like, in food. So it was nice for them to recognize, like, this whole community of people who helped make this book. So I think in that way, I was, like, very proud of that one. Yeah, it's just, I mean, 
I've had uh, this podcast has run the gamut from, you know, uh, food celebrities, food gay celebrities, food lesbians, food whatever, LGBTQ people, right? Doing amazing things in food. And, you know, uh, from people super, super accomplished, such as yourself, to people who are just doing the thing and shining brightly, doing, you know, whatever it is that they're doing in this business. And for people like you who just, you know, are running the, are running the race and are on the treadmill, I always like to ask that question, like, what's it like hearing that back? Because, I mean, you're 30 and look how much you've accomplished, you know? It's like, it's, it's like, wow. It's weird. It's almost like, um, I mean, I think it's embarrassing for like me to say any of those things. You know what I mean? Um, well, we're here to celebrate you. And, the, and this podcast is a celebration of people like you specifically. So uh, let's revel in it. Let's revel in it in all. Let's lift you up and let's let the kid, kids know because, you know, by seeing you shine, others, others can grab and grasp inspiration from that, you mm. know? Is my, is my line of thought from it, you know? Yeah. We're, not, we're not being overly conceited. We're not, we're not trying to be like, my, like, my stuff don't stink here. We're, we're, we're celebrating you, right? And fabulous queer people doing amazing things in the food space. So you know let's, what that is? Yeah, so that's let's really swim in that pool for a minute, you know? That is like a good thing to remember and hear, like especially with the Forbes thing. I think it was like, you know, unusual for someone in the food list specifically to be recognized for like a queer adjacent project so in that sense i think it is really important for it to be like seen and heard by like young people or people just starting out yeah absolutely and this is what i really love about you which i kind of knew but didn't really know till i fully deep dove because i have been following you forever as most of the kids have but um we have a very specific crossroads it's almost i don't know if you're a housewives uh fan right but it's I some of them, some of them, some of them. But but it's very season one, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Kyle's and Ki- Kyle and Kim of it mm. all. You stole my goddamn concept. No, <laughs> not at all. But the, I love that this is where we meet, right? Um, mm. In a in a very similar in a very similar way. You you have a cookbook out there, right? A book, Tasty Pride, a collection of seventy five recipes and stories from the queer food community that raised $50,000 for GLAD. And I now have a podcast with probably that that many, if not more, of the same thing, you know? And I love that. Uh, what inspired you to do that? I think, so I, I took the job at BuzzFeed and then it was like my first job in food media. I was working in like kitchens before then. And I guess I saw like how extreme their numbers were, like how many people saw the things that Tasty produces and so I approached my editor with like this crazy pipe dream thinking like I'll never go anywhere and it actually like eventually did so I think I was just like it was my first job in media and the first job like access to an audience essentially so I was like I know I won't be at BuzzFeed forever so how can I make these couple years like impactful yeah absolutely and you know I personally have never set out for this podcast to do this specifically the podcast I always say on the pod and in your mouth listeners once again Jesse and I don't know each other this is kind of our first meeting and this is what I love about uh, communing with my guests is that we don't know each other and we're sitting here having real conversations and getting to know each other in like a fun and fabulous way but at the same time I always say Jesse that 
this podcast has led me when I thought I always had the reins on it. And it wasn't until someone slid into my DMs, uh, not that kind of slide into my DMs, even though uh, we all love it, but, um, and told me and said to me, I love that you've become a custodian of our stories in a specific way that I was like, wait a minute, what? What am I doing? And then I accepted the, re- the task and the responsibility, you know, because it's a thing because we don't have a platform, you know, yeah. we don't have a, a place where we see ourselves represented in this hyper-masculine male dominated world where we don't, where we don't, especially those, those of us in the food world that are behind the lines, you know, that are doing the work in the kitchens that are like just putting in the 60, 70 hours a week. You know, whether you're trans or or queer or however you identify back there, you know, there isn't a space that you can like just sit here and be and be like, oh, we understand each other, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, this podcast is like incredibly important in that sense because like people like kids could be listening or people starting out who like would never know that like our stories exist or like people like them are making a podcast like this. Or So this is very important what you're doing. Yeah, and and in the same effect, right? Not only was the donation to Glad super incredible, but the book was also important, right? Because it, it's the same thing. It's very similar in 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 what we do. Um, do you have like a favorite moment from that book, or a favorite like story from that book? Going back to it, I so I reached out to a bunch of people to begin with contributors, like, and I gave them an incredibly loose prompt of like what we want from them. And I think Brian Hart Hoffman from Bake From Scratch, the editor-in-chief, was the first one to get back to me. And he sent me this recipe for, like, these, I guess they're, like, wedding cake-inspired sandwich cookies. They have, like, almond extract in them. And his head note was, like, this, like, incredibly powerful, like, five-sentence essay about, like, growing up in the South and never thinking he would get married and how, like, these cookies can be, like, this symbol of, like, his journey and stuff. And I was just like, oh, shit, like, this is going to be good. And, like, from there, more came in and he, like, opened the floodgates of this, like, emotional editing process. Yeah, I, I can completely relate and understand because even on this pod, we'll hear stories about, like, baking in grandma's kitchen and coming out in the foster care system. Oh, wow, yeah. You know? Or like being adopted and getting thrown out of your house or while, you know, cooking with mom, you know, it's so impactful and it's so important. And we I always say we never know who we can touch out there. And and it's just one of the things that I love about communing with people on this podcast and just about you is that this is where we meet, Mm. you know, and how special that is. Where does the love of food come from? How did this all begin? Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, my dad worked, but my mom wanted to stay home because I have a sister and we were both young. So she was really good at cooking and baking. And she started a candy business from our home. Um, I think so she could like be with us, but also make money. And she made caramels was like her specialty. So I grew up kind of like helping her wrap candies, like send out orders. And I think like subconsciously that stuck with me. So then I ended up going to cooking school and then later down the road, I like converted back into sweets, I think, because of that. Yeah, I love that. I love that your mom had like 
She was like the OG of cottage kitchens. No, literally, yeah. She was like a cottage kitchen like boss back in the day. Yeah, I love that. Is she still making candy? She's not. Uh, she does every now and then, but she doesn't sell it. But it's very, very good. And uh, like the town, it was like infamous in our small Illinois town. Like she would like, like give like a bag of candy for like a free haircut and stuff. And it's really cool. That's re- that's really really awesome. What kind of caramels? Now, I'm I'm so intrigued. Uh, honestly, just like very simple ones. I remember like late '90s uh, or like early 2000s when like flaky sea salt became a thing. She like experimented with that as well, but it was just like very simple, like no flavors, and it was just like her like thing she was known for was making incredible chewy caramels. I love that. I love that. And you just like out of the recesses of my brain, like really. Uh, pulled this memory out. Um, it ha- it's years ago now that I guess one of the major magazines did like best of Thanksgiving desserts or something like that, and somebody had like a a pumpkin caramel, like a mm. pumpkin like spice caramel or something that I was obsessed with making because it was. I mean, caramel is hard to make because you it you, is yeah you have to really get it right and like watch, but like. That was, like, the only part, and it was completely worth it for the pumpkin of it all. And I'm not... I, I am a sometimes pumpkin spice girl, not always, you know? I can get into it. You know, I mean, if I'm in Murray Hill and I'm wearing, like, my big sunglasses, like... You gotta yeah, do it, yeah. Like, the pumpkin spice of it all. <laughs> Whatever, I'm into it. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think... You know what else I love, Jesse? Um... I think now is a great time to take a little bit of a break now that we're now that we're in the candy talk of it all to take you out to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Food news updates. Food news. Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. News updates. These illegal potato chip flavors give you a chance to taste foods you can't get in the U.S. Wait, illegal? Illegal potato chip flavors. Wh- whose headline is this? Where this is a Food from? and Wine head- headline. And a shout out to Food and Wine for always keeping me in the note. Not a sponsor just yet, but I'm still waiting for the phone call. But MSCHF, which I'm assuming is pronounced Mischief Art Collective, created the trio snacks to mimic ingredients that are banned in America. One is horse meat. The other is fugu, which is poison blowfish. blowfish, And the other is kasu marzu, which is maggot cheese. I will say I uh, maybe appreciate the artistry, the intention behind it. Um... But I'm uh, I'm perplexed. Yeah, it's it, it's really well. Let's start here. Would you try the illegal chips if they were just like in your presence? Yeah, why not? Would you? Um, yes. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting that like 
I'm sure the listeners are like, ugh, horse meat. But we have to remember that everywhere else but America eats all sorts of different things, you know? Mm. And, um, and so what may not be common here may be common elsewhere, right? Uh, and um, this article as well, where is it? Because this is... In your mouth, listeners, go out and find this food and wine article because it's super, super, super interesting. And the um, horse, the horse um, meat of it all wasn't banned in a... It's been banned um, in America since 1847, but it's not entirely accurate, apparently, because during beef shortages uh, brought on by World War I and after the war, the, the Department of Agriculture was allowed to officially inspect facilities that process horse meat, and horse meat was also available in Navy commissaries till the early 1980s. Hmm. And the last three horse... Uh, abattoirs in Texas and Illinois didn't close until 2006 and 2007. I like, my hot take is I low-key think that America doesn't allow horse meat just because they think, like, horse is this, like, weird American status symbol, you know? Yeah, um, you got good point, right? And I say, I say just eat it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would I try horse meat? I mean, why not? I've had, yeah. I've had alligator, I've had duck's feet, I've had turtle... Uh, weirdest food you've ever eaten? I've, okay, I've actually had horse meat. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's it to, like? Uh, it, I, what the, I had it like, and it was like cured. It was like thinly sliced and cured. I had it in Spain, and I didn't know, and I ate it. And I would say it is just like very much so beef when I had it. All right, all right. Yeah. yeah well, the cured of it all. I mean, this is obviously these flavors are obviously processed through a factory and these are artificial flavorings. So, so like... So, with, yeah, sus, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Approach lightly. So with the, um, so with like, you know, the food science of it all, it gives the, us an opportunity to try things that we may not be able to try and it not being illegal or it doesn't hurt these animals or whatever the science is or the thought is behind it, you know, protects these things, you know, and we won't die from the poison from the poison blowfish of it all. I would say intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I try it. Same. Why not? Why not? Same. I mean, you could also, like, you know, throw it in a food processor and, like, coat some shrimp in it and, like, deep fry it. That would probably be pretty good. Right? I mean, we do it with, like, Cheetos and everything else. I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah, I think we're here for the illegal chips. The listeners are probably like, y'all are nasty. Y'all, yeah. Y'all have lost the thread. Yeah, right? People have people have stopped listening, but I think you and I are here for it. Yeah, we, we like the artistry. <laughs> A massive cocaine shipment was smuggled using frozen onion rings. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? Respect. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not here to um, say, like, I, drug smuggling is good or anything, but it's a creative method. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now, when I read this headline, I thought the cocaine was in the onion rings. And then I was like, oh, my God, that sounds delicious and crazy at the same time. Because I, I love an onion ring. I love an onion ring. And then an onion ring that, like, soups you up, I don't know about, right? Because I'm not about the drugs of it all. Get, give me an edible and that's as far as I'll go but like yeah like 
that I can't. It's really interesting to me the way these drug dealers or these drug laws, uh, drug lords of it all, find really crazy ways to like transport things across the border. Apparently, um, uh, fentanyl was being smuggled in breakfast burritos, cocaine oh, wow. stashed in individual coffee beans. What? Damn. Yeah, and uh, we covered this on Food News Update a long time ago. Uh, cocaine being moved in frosted cornflake boxes. Hmm. Yes, but this was uh, on the way from France to the UK that the UK's National Crime Agency... Uh, seized this like haul from this 30 year old Polish truck driver traveling into the UK and apparently they seized street value worth of 44 million damn you know well, my fa- be, it's, I wonder if it's like a scent thing like the onions are so strongly scented that maybe it like helps cover it up somehow yes and when I was doing dinner theater out in Fort Atkinson Wisconsin home of the Orida factory um, the whole town smelt like onion rings. Oh, really? Yeah, delicious until it was too much. Interesting. You got there and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then by day three, you're like, I want to vomit. That's so funny. Right? So yeah, maybe it's like to to like throw the dog scent off of it all. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, but I hate the internet of it all because the comments on the internet was were, serious question, what happens to the onion rings? Honestly, also it's valid. Valid. Are food waste of it all, or is it valid? Or is it now evidence? And but it has to be kept in the employee, you know, lunch fridge. Yeah, right. As evidence, so they don't. And then what happens when like Ida forgets that they're evidence and wants onion rings for lunch, and throws them in the microwave with her fish dish and stinks up the whole office. We'll just say something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. And I wish I could laugh without coughing because right now I feel like this is hysterical. And last but not least, Jesse, home cooks can now use Snapchat to scan ingredients and find recipes from all recipes. This one I picked especially hmm. for you, right, Mr. Cookbooks? Hmm. How do we feel about it? Uh. I feel like I'm torn. And whenever I hear these, like, uh, technology innovations, like, regarding food media, I'm just like, oh, man, like, what's happening to food media? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. I think it's really interesting, though. And, I mean, maybe if, like, somebody wanted dessert and, like, snap, snap the eggs and the flour, maybe they pull one of your recipes. Could be a good thing because then that just leads them to you more and more true we can hope yeah right i guess right so um snapchat's new food scan feature um apparently every month more than 170 million snapchat users utilize the scan feature to identify dog breeds plants and trees wine bottles and more and now they can scan actual food ingredients snapchat is teaming up with all recipes to help home cooks find recipes based on the ingredients they have on hand. All they have to do is place the ingredient on a flat surface, open the main Snapchat camera, point the camera at the food, click and scan. The scan feature will immediately suggest up to five recipes from allrecipes.com that use that food item. Damn. That's crazy. That really is crazy. But really, like, are you that 
Are you that uninventive that you have to scan your eggs to think of something to do with them? I know. I wonder, like, how many people this is actually useful for. Yes. That and, like, once again, I have... Because you can't scan more than one ingredient at a time. Like, you can't be like, I have this list of ingredients that I don't know how to use. Put That'd them, be more helpful, yeah. Put them together for me, as opposed to scanning an avocado and a guacamole recipe coming up. Yeah. It's funny also because there's, like, these tools and you can rank all the food media websites, like, based on how many people visit. And it's always, like, like whatever. But then the first one, by, like, miles and miles and millions, is always all recipes. Yeah. They're like untouchable. It, it's insane. It's insane. It, it really, is. really is. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, also, I think you and I are a certain people that like this isn't, this isn't made for us. Mm, agree. Yeah. You know, this yeah, we're, isn't. We're nervous. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're like, this, uh, this wasn't, we're not their demographic for this. Yeah, and then we're going to get, like, assignments. They'd be like, hey, can you guys, like, come up with these things based on what people send in? And we're like, okay. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, but then I'd want to, like, start scanning weird things. Yeah, right? Like fugu. Yeah. Like, how far can we push it? Yeah. Or, like, horse meat. That'd be good. Yeah. You know? Like, see what they come up with. You know? Shark fin. Or... Like- like gummy bears, like gummy worms or something. Something something crazy, right? Because something you won't find in that Nigella Lawson cookbook. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't know if we're here for this. But like I mean, good for you for like kind of encouraging people to cook. I think that's that's like the the pot of gold at the end of this Snapchat rainbow. Yeah, yeah, that's like a, a good way, healthy way of looking at it. Right, right. I, yes, I think that's a healthy way to look at it and a great way to end Food News Update. Yes. How was that for you? Is that just going to carry you through the rest of the day? Honestly, I'm going to look up that uh, scanning thing now. I'll be like, if I go to work on Monday, back, like, you guys, I heard something. Yep, and tell them where, tell them where you heard it, Jess, and, all right? Yeah, right. right. You'll see a competitor one pop up and I go, God, I oh my, shared it. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Um, you know what I really want to talk about? And I've seen it. It's really, really beautiful. Your new cookie cookbook. Tell us all about it. Where did the inspiration come from? Because I am a cookie monster for reals. So, yeah, I wrote Tasty Pride. And then I guess, like, selfishly, I was like, oh, like maybe I should do something that's like more my own point of view since I've I've worked for brands and websites. I never can like fully express my point of view. So I wanted like a project in that way to do that. So it's funny because I wrote the proposal for the cookbook for a long time, over a year, and then I went to go sell it and basically I got a deal, but they were like, this was this past February. They were like, we want it, but we want it to come out this year. And I was like, oh, shit, of course. So then I wrote it within, like, a handful of months. We shot it immediately. And uh, it has all transpired in the same year. I love that. Well, but why cookies? So uh, I, I love baking cookies, obviously. I love baking. It's, like, my thing. But I think I was really interested in making more of, like, an art book, a coffee table book, to be honest. And I saw, like, a lot of opportunity with cookies because they're very familiar and safe to people, anyone. 
to like infuse them with like fun, unexpected flavors and present them in like fun, whimsical ways. But it's always still rooted in like the cookie of it all, like the familiarity. So I thought it was like a cool kind of like fringe concept to like kind of push home bakers to creative potentials, but like keep it rooted in something that's really obtainable. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And in your mouth, listeners, uh, we're going to link out the book, obviously, and tell you where you can get it. But it is absolutely stunning. Talk about the art book of it all, even if you don't. Even if you don't have a pension to bake, just to have it on the coffee table for the guests to come over and flip through. Absolutely, absolutely stunning. And congratulations again, because cookbooks aren't easy. Like, people don't understand. Yeah. There is so much work. And we've had many, many people who have written many a cookbook on this podcast. And everyone is like, it's so much work. You know, it's a, it's, it's a birth. They're just, like, very complicated. The whole process is, like, so, uh, like, um, intentionally hard to navigate, I feel like, to, like, kind of, like, keep people out in a gross way. It is, like, really hard to kind of, like, figure it all out. Yeah, absolutely, right? And we've heard this story time and time again, and I just want to say congrats. And speaking of, what a great way to transition. Speaking of things that may be hard to navigate... Uh, we've talked about our stories being important on the pod. We've talked about representation, especially in food media, being important here on the pod, especially with you today um, and your cookbook and what I do here. Um, and I always say we never know who we can affect or who's listening and who we can inspire. And I was wondering if you would regale us with the story of coming out. Oh, man. Okay. I'm like thinking it. I feel like it's like actually really embarrassing. Sorry. So I like, when was it? It was a year after college. I came home. So I think, you know, first year in college finds himself type story. So I go back to Illinois and like, um, it's like so embarrassing. I can't tell it. So I was driving. My mom was driving and Lady Gaga's Born This Way comes on. And I just like said it. As I came out, I'm gay. And she, like, pulls over. And she's like, excuse me, what? And it literally came out to Born This Way, which is, like, the most cliche, embarrassing thing I could ever say. But there you go. <laughs> and I remember it. She, she said, don't tell your father. So I didn't. And then as maybe, like, a few months later, I was in the library at college. And I get a call from him. And he's just like, hey, mom told me. And it was just, like, a 20-second conversation. He's like, yeah, I just want to know. Like, I knew. And I was like, okay. And then we hung up. And that was my unclimactic coming out yeah listen i don't qualify stories on this pod coming out stories because you know each of our journeys are different and sometimes the the struggle to the glow up is maybe you know not the most um desirable or fantastical but it is the journey that life has set us on to be there and you know each of our stories is unique in in their own way so although you may feel embarrassed about coming out to born this way because of the cliche I mean, yeah come on come the clicheism of it all you and elliot norris coming out to lady gaga oh my god did he really yeah listen to oh the, my god. the stories on the pod right oh my god just go back right but um you know i feel like that was more on brand for him than you but <laughs> you know what we we each have our ways and it's just you know you know what the interesting thing about coming out is that um i don't know if i've said on this pod yet or talked about, and I don't know if you'd agree, but there comes a time, I feel like, at least I felt with me, there, and some other people, 
there just comes, it's like a clock ticking to the hour. And there comes a time where it's going to ring. And like, there's something in your body that it's just like, now, now's the time. Like right mm. now, it needs to happen now. Yeah, I mean, I just like blurted it out. You know, I remember, and I don't even know if I've told my coming out story on this pod, which is odd to say now that I'm thinking about it. Um, I remember I got home from college and everyone knew except for my mom. And I was, I had been, because I was living with her in Brooklyn and I was lying. I would be like, oh, I'm going out with Brian or, you know, so-and-so's grandma died or, right? Meanwhile, I was going out to Club Spectrum in Brooklyn or Splash, RIP mm-hmm. to both of those. Old school, people. yeah. Well, she's an old lady. She is. Old. Listen, hey, na- I've been there too. Na- nary a wrinkle to be found at uh, almost forty-one. It's almost. It's a month till forty-one. Hello, countdown. And um, but yeah, there just was like a moment where I ran out of lies, and mm. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. And I was just like, this is it. And then, like, I threw her into the deep end of the pool with the queerest folk, and I'm going to the Pride Parade, by the way. I love that. Meanwhile, I had been doing that and watching that, but, like, you know? Yeah. So it was was definitely a journey, and, and, um, and it was what it was. But, you know, it's, it was, to my point, it was just like this, and to your story, it was just like you felt that that was the time, right? It was just like, it's now. Yeah. You know? And I feel like a lot of us in our journeys, like the coming out, it's just like now, now, you know, whether it's to born this way or... Yeah, it's it's just like a feeling kind of... You just know. Yeah, you just know. And uh, A, thank you for sharing, right? Because... Of course. uh, And trusting me with your story, but also B... Once again, you never know who's listening and who we, who you and I can in- inspire and touch or help along their journey. This has been such a great day and such a great episode. What's next? Oh, man. I, I will say, I think what's next is that um, I enjoy helping people. So I think I want, I've already talked to a publisher, but I'm very interested in like ghostwriting other people's cookbooks for them and like helping them make a better cookbook than they could ever envision and being like, I've done this. Here's how to do it kind of thing. Great, great. I will take you up on that offer. Thank well, please you. Please do. I would be into it. Thank you very much. Because yeah. uh, the food styling of it all is gorgeous. So Thank you. I will take you up. Thanks. Uh, we're writing a cookbook. Honestly, I, I'm down. So uh, we can talk about that later. That's amazing, though. That, and that's beautiful. Um, and, and so on trend for the spirit of the holidays, the give back <laughs> and the helping of it all. Um, you know, uh, let's, let's let the kids know where they can find you, how they can find you, where they can buy the books, right? Mm. But more importantly, give us all the information. So, yeah, my all my handles are just my name, which maybe doesn't make it easier. It's Jesse, and the last name is S-Z-E-W-C-Z-Y-K, Shevchuk. And then for the book, you can... I always tell people I like going to IndieBound.com, and you search the title, and it brings up a whole list of independent bookstores near you that you can buy from. So it's a really cool resource. But uh, for if you don't have it available, it's on Amazon, of course, and anywhere else. Oh, amazing. Uh, amazing. And I will absolutely absolutely um, link that out in the liner notes of the pod in your mouth listeners 
Look for that. Go show him all the love, all of it, right? And buy the book because, like I said, it's absolutely gorgeous. Before we close out, any, um, you know, any quick tips for the holidays, surviving the holidays, cooking through the holidays? Oh, man. Okay, I, do, I feel like food media is like the whole... Uh angle this year is like oh make up for last year go all out i'm like we're tired don't go all out so i just say do whatever you want but maybe don't do anything if you don't want to yeah absolutely and because uh, i was not in the mood for thanksgiving still no, wasn't yeah, yeah went out I, to a restaurant and had a splendid time because i just wasn't doing it i couldn't do we're, it we're tired still yeah I'm, I'm tired stressed out burning my karen huger that's another housewives reference yeah. three-week candle it's that cough. Yes, it is the cough. It's the cough for me, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what a great day. And thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me time out of your busy schedule to come oh, yeah. and be part of my big gay food family. Um, I am so honored to have you here. And, yeah, I can't. I just can't thank you enough. In your mouth, listeners, post-nasal drip aside, um, listen, remember to take time for yourself as we barrel through the holidays, we all know the shipping restrictions and the the supply chain are all still a hot mess. So, like, don't let it stress you out. And sometimes, you know, if grandma's crocheted Etsy Afghan has to arrive late, it just has to arrive late, right? Take some time for ourselves and self-care. There's a vicious cold going around because I have it. So, um, you know, just take care of yourselves out there, especially as we steamroll through these holidays. Once again, big, big thanks to Jesse Shevchik today for coming out and giving me of his time. Uh, what a great day and a special episode. And all I have left to say is thank you for listening to In Yo